Hello and welcome to our BMJ Clinical Podcast. Kieran Walsh is my name. I'm Clinical Director at BMJ. I help look after BMJ Best Practice and BMJ Learning. This podcast is about brucellosis. The purpose is to help you recognise, report and refer affected patients. Brucellosis is a highly contagious disease caused by drinking unpasteurised milk, eating undercooked meat or by exposure to infected animal products. It has been called Malta fever, where it was first diagnosed, and also undulant fever, as the fever was said to have come in waves, and of course, brucellosis, after Sir David Bruce, even though it may have been his colleague Zamet who first discovered the cause. It's a fascinating disease, and here to tell us more about it are Dr. Alessandra Gorada and Dr. Nick Beeching, both of the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. So, let's start off. Could you tell us what exactly is brucellosis? Thanks, Kieran. It's, it's Alessandro speaking here. Um, so as you said, brucellosis is a zoonotic infection, so it mainly infects animals, but it does occasionally infect humans. It can present as an acute or chronic febrile illness with quite non-specific features. Um, the causative organism or bacteria of the brucella genus, and it goes by many names, as, as you said, which probably reflects its quite non-specific presentation. So how would you recognise an affected patient? So Nick Beeching here. Uh, first of all, you have to think about it, which is easier if you're working in a country where there is a lot of brucella, such as uh, South Eastern Europe. Otherwise, you might think about it in somebody who's been travelling from that area. But it is typically a fever that's been going on for some weeks by the time the patient comes. There may be very pronounced sweating at night. And about half of the patients will have some sort of rheumatic complaint. It might be back pain or a hip or a knee pain. Uh, and that's one of the pointers that distinguishes it from other, other fevers. So are there any particular types of patients that are most at risk? Uh, although all patients are at risk, or, and, and brucellosis can present in many uh, forms and fashions, uh, things to look out for are uh, pre-existing damage to heart valves, or prosthetic joint replacements, or prosthetic valve replacements. I think that would bump up the risk significantly. Uh, the problem is that uh, the infection, if the infection's missed, it can cause severe damage to the heart valve or to the joint. And so patients with ongoing fever who have those underlying problems uh, need full investigation anyway, and that should include brucellosis if there's any possible risk of infection with those bugs. What tests would you request? The investigation of choice for brucellosis is the blood culture. Uh, sending multiple cultures increases the likelihood of getting a positive result, so that's always a good idea. Uh, sometimes the blood cultures are still negative, though. In, in those cases, serology can be helpful. Okay, and what is the mainstay of treatment? There are a handful of drugs that are active against brucellosis. Uh, classically, tetracyclines and aminoglycosides have been used. Um, so nowadays, uh, we would use doxycycline and gentamicin. However, other drugs such as uh, septrin, so that's cotrimoxazole or rifampicin, are also used. And do you need to take isolation measures? Human-to-human transmission is not really a major concern. Um, so in hospital, we would use universal precaution. So no particular isolation of a patient in hospital is required. Uh, laboratory exposure, however, is an important issue with brucellosis. So the handling of brucella products in the laboratory can predispose patients to infection. Okay, thank you. That's, that's very helpful. And do you need to refer 
affected patients? And if so, how urgently? So this isn't something that would require an urgent referral today, but I, I would refer patients to an infectious disease specialist or an infection specialist, uh, preferably in one of the regional centres, if it's in the UK or appropriate similar people elsewhere. Um, and I would ask the patient to be seen within the next week or two and indicate that brucella is a possibility. Thank you. And and should you report the disease? Yeah, in most countries, uh, this is notifiable, both from the point of view of human public health, but especially because it, it's a disease of animals as well, and the presence of brucella is a real problem. So it should be notified according to the country's uh, sort of statutory system, um, and there may be a need for uh, investigation of animal health as well as people's health. Okay, thank you. And can you tell me what do patients typically want to know and what, what advice should you give them? The, the questions that we usually get asked mainly relate to the route of acquisition. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, Kieran, that is commonly uh, the consumption of unpasteurized animal products. We also get questions from laboratory personnel asking us about the, the risk of developing brucellosis from an exposure to brucella that they've had in the laboratory. We've got quite helpful patient information leaflets on the Public Health England website that we distribute to exposed laboratory personnel and patients. Okay, thank you. And on to differentials. What are the common differentials and how can you tell brucellosis from these differentials? Uh, not always easy, especially if you've never seen a case before. Uh, but, but if you are practicing in a country such as parts of the Middle East where uh, typhoid and other things are around, you might mistake it for typhoid, although brucella patients don't usually look as sick as typhoid patients. It could be Q fever. It could just be any other fever. Um, but the brucella one tends to go on for several weeks with that undulating pattern you were talking about. So that, that would help you uh, distinguish it from other things. And can you tell us what exactly is the undulating pattern? So the undulating pattern, it, it's not up and down during the day. It's a, a fever that undulates over weeks. So if you plotted out a patient's fever, it might be uh, rise up slowly over a week or two and then go down slowly over a week or two, then be normal for a few weeks and then go up, up and down again. And that's what used to be seen uh, in the early days in Malta, uh, hence the name Malta fever. Okay, thank you, thank you. And what are the common pitfalls in the diagnosis and management of this disease? I think the most common pitfall is just not thinking about it. If you're practicing in Britain, we've been free in mainland Britain, been free of brucella for over 20 years. So it's just not something that even a specialist would think about at the top of their list. Um, failing to take a history, a travel history, is therefore really important. Have people lived in or been to a part of the world where there's brucella, and that is much of the world, um, in the last couple of years? Have they been drinking imported unpasteurized milk or cheese products? Um, so I think those are the common things that people miss out on. Uh, in terms of the diagnosis, I think it's just not linking up with the specialist and not always sending off the right diagnostic tests to the right labs. And are there any recent advances in diagnosis or management that doctors should know about? Not really. Uh, we've been trying to develop more sensitive tests uh, to distinguish between past brucellosis 
and the rather rare cases of chronic or ongoing brucellosis, which is uh, a controversy that's been going on for over 50 years. But unfortunately, there's no international agreement. So that remains a difficulty. And I think that's probably one of the biggest problems for uh, specialists is deciding whether somebody has chronic brucella or something else. Uh, I think the other thing we do know now is that you do need two drugs given for uh, at least six weeks to cure brucella. And that's probably uh, one of the commonest pitfalls in actual management is, is the patient not being given or taking the drugs for long enough to, to cure them because relapse is very common after inadequate treatment. Okay, thank you. And what have we missed out? What other questions do you typically get asked about brucellosis? Well, the, I think the, the laboratory people that are exposed, which is one of the more common questions we get in the UK, uh, people want to know what their risk is and what the side effect of the treatment is um, and, and how long they have to take the treatment for. So those are the sort of common questions. Uh, people that have animals want to know if they've got to get rid of them. So that involves a discussion with vets and public health. Uh, and the biggest problem we have is with women of childbearing age who might be pregnant or know they're pregnant. Uh, and there it's uh, you have to choose the drugs carefully so they don't have any possible effect on the fetus. Okay, thank you. And if you had one single piece of advice to give to a healthcare professional about brucellosis, what would it be? I think that would certainly be to communicate any suspicion of, of the disease uh, to the laboratory. Uh, this is a, an infection that when it's grown in the laboratory can present a risk to laboratory workers. Um, so either uh, communicate the suspicion or else inform them of the travel history. I would add that I think I'd, I'd agree as a clinician, very important that the lab knows because they might have to culture the blood for longer. It's a difficult thing to isolate. But also my advice to laboratory technicians is don't sniff plates. Uh, they love doing it, and it's a very good way to catch brucella. Okay, really. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So last question. Let's return to the subject of having an index of suspicion once again, because that seems to be key. What can make you think that you're dealing with something un unusual and ultimately make you think of brucellosis? I think it's a, a fever that just doesn't go away. You, you know, most most viral infections, the common things that you see in general practice, most of them go away after a little while, and, and, and GPs are familiar with that pattern. This is something that continues to be a nuisance for patients for weeks, and then you need to take the travel history and the exposure history, and then you'll be halfway there. So when taking a travel history, are there any particular regions of the world that you should pay particular attention to? Yes, the, uh, the eastern, southeastern Mediterranean and uh, the whole area of the Middle East are still areas where there's a lot of brucella for various reasons. Um, certainly parts of rural Australia and parts of the USA and South America. But increasingly, we're recognizing it in countries such as India and Pakistan, and even Thailand and Vietnam, which would not previously have thought to be in areas. So for the clinician, I think it's having a uh, really taking a full travel history uh, and considering many countries to be at risk. Okay, thank you very much, Nick and Alessandro. And thanks to you all for listening. We hope that this has been helpful. And we hope that you'll be able to put what you've learned into action to better recognize, report and refer affected patients. If you want to find out more, click the link in the podcast to sign into BMJ Best Practice 
and look at the content on brucellosis. Thank you once again. <laughs>